Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire-Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back. We're back, Will. How are you? Yep. I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, getting kind of busy starting up. The school's going about, about to kick in in another week or so. So, yeah. Oh, you're still in vacation <laughs> mode. Another week or so. Oh, but, you're chilling. But you you're know chilling. me. <laughs> There's no uh, vacation yeah, over you are. here. <laughs> well, yeah. But you're in vacation mode from the university, but. Yes. That's true. But by That's the time true. people hear this, this is MLK Day that this is aired. Yeah. So shout out to Day of Service MLK, Martin there we Luther go. King, Love. Yeah. So hopefully right. people are taking some time today to do something for someone else other than themselves, other than chill. So I just wanted to do that, uh, that reminder, there. that friendly reminder. Yep. But... We got a really, I say this every week, but oh my gosh, we bring so such amazing people on this show. So I'm really excited to get to, to get to our guests. But, 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 dun, dun, dun. Gotta have the music tip. Gotta have the music Gotta tip. Gotta have the All music right. tip. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for today's show as well. Yeah, this is a, a great yeah. friend of mine. So we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that in a second, but. Um, this uh, music tip is actually a plug for mm. my uh, new course that I have up on Udemy. And, uh, oh, and if any of y'all ever use Udemy, yeah, you can uh, uh, U-D-E-M-Y. Um, we'll have the link to it in the show notes, but it's basically a course on how to read and improvise through chord changes. Um, and it takes walks you through that whole process. If you're a musician trying to learn how to improvise, uh, develop your language and the skills to read through chord changes, that's the, the course for you. So it's up on Udemy. Um, it was up this weekend. So um, go ahead and check it out. Very nice. See, you make me so jealous because I know I need to be building my course. <laughs> I even... I. I I don't I've even signed up with Teachable, which is basically like a competitor to Udemy. But right, right, that sounds fantastic. And yes, get make sure you guys at least check it out. And and you know, there's a lot there's a lot on Udemy of really good resources. So as a as a general tip, it's a good you know it's a good space to look for things. But definitely before yeah, just, you go browse everybody else, check out what will check out what will has put up for the people and there's some more to come so i'll, I'll let everybody know Excellent. when stuff comes up but yeah we're just trying to get how much, do you uh, know how you much the course educated. can you say how much the course um, is yeah it's, it's it's uh it's 49.99 but uh oh, you're getting yeah. a whole lot so 49.99 um, come on guys that's that's nothing <laughs> yeah i know i mean it's like a, <laughs> to invest in yourselves as musicians come on yeah Excellent. Yeah, okay. I mean, you'll you'll be able to in, in understand how you're going to go about improvising after you go through the whole course. So it's it's a lot. Right. So, yeah. Cool. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. 
From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online literally in minutes. You can choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates, then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. Built for musicians by musicians, Bandzoogle has all of the features you need for your website and EPK already built in. This includes tools to sell music and merch commission-free right on your website, stream your music with flexible options for music downloads, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send professional newsletters, integrations to pull in content from your online services, including YouTube, Twitter, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team. Not one, not two, but seven days a week. Bandzoogle plans start at just $8.29 per month. Yep, that's what I said, just $8.29 per month. And includes your own free custom domain name. Gotta love that. Go to bandzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days. And be sure to use our promo code, MAKINGMONEYPOD, to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. That's again, Making Money Pod to get 15% off the first year. Well, since uh, since this is my buddy, I'm <laughs> going to introduce today's guest. And um, yeah, we met years ago uh, through a mutual friend. Um, but just before I even give, give that, um, you all should probably and should be familiar with um, the Philadelphia sound from back Mm -hmm. in the day in the seventies, eighties and just the, the sound of, of Gamble and Huff and Philadelphia international records. And um, if you've ever heard of Teddy Pendergrass, (laughs) if you've ever heard of Patti LaBelle, um, just a couple small folks. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the list goes on. Uh, the Jones girls. Um, yeah. I mean, you you know, we we could spend all day. But if if you ever heard of any of these artists and any of their music and hit songs, um, you have listened to some of the awesome songwriting work by the by our next guest, and um, her name is Cynthia Biggs. Hello, Cynthia. Hello, greetings, greetings. Yes, ah, greetings, greetings. <laughs> Such yeah. an honor. I I cannot wait to dig into this, but yes, go yeah. ahead, Will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we we met uh, through a mutual friend of ours, Natasha Johnson, and she's um uh she's an awesome tax accountant, but um, she also worked for um, for Gamble and Huff, and um and we also were in the uh, recording academy. That's why we talk about on the show about joining organizations and and meeting people and networking in organizations, but um. You know, I went to a recording academy event with uh, uh, Cynthia and Natasha, and um, yeah, and it was, you know, met like all these people, idols, and this amazing artist. It was like, wow, okay. Um, I think I even met Gamelin Huff at that that event too. But mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. yeah, but she, Cynthia's been awesome about talking to people about that time period and giving people the history, the real real history, the the inside scoop yes. <laughs> about what really went down. <laughs> yeah. And 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 also she's just been picking people up, lifting them up and encouraging folks on on how to get their their career started. But 
um, like, you know, for, for one of my, uh, my other students, you know, get, getting women songwriters um, into the business. And, I, and we're going to definitely have, the, have her talk about that. Um, but it's just an amazing journey that you've had mm-hmm. and experience. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted you on this show to share that experience. So uh, you could give start off by just giving um, folks a sort of a brief background of where you came from, how you got into songwriting, sure. um, you know, what inspired you. And then you can start going into the story of your life in, in, in songwriting. <laughs> OK, good. Well, back then I uh, I was using the name uh, Cynthia Biggs. I am now. Cynthia Eel, uh, and I just annexed uh, my name with uh, uh, trying to trying to say this the best way I could say it. Uh, my uh, national <laughs> descent name, uh, which, right, is, right. which is mm-hmm. Eel, E-L. But back then, I was using the name uh, Cynthia Biggs. Cynthia Biggs Eel mm-hmm. is what I use sometimes now, and sometimes just Cynthia Eel. But yes, this. Okay. Yes, this was, uh, has been an incredible journey. And I want to say, too, that it wasn't something that was planned. Um, it just sort of happened. And, um, and I, was, I was glad that I was just following um, the signs. And it started in high school. There was a gospel group that was the first gospel group to be established in the Philadelphia public school system. And mm. they were named after the school, Overbrook High School, and it, that's the high school I attended. And it's also the school that Will Smith attended. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so we were called, the, they were called the Overbrook Singers. I wasn't in the group yet, but they performed for uh, an assembly during the Christmas, right before the Christmas break. And I was so impressed with that group. And the songs that they were singing were written and arranged by students. And we I was just in 10th mm. grade and I, I was like blown away. And everyone on the in the auditorium was, was on their feet. And they it was like eleven singers on the stage, but they sounded like fifty. <laughs> and all you could, <laughs> all you could see was the, the 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 round of their their mouths. Because that's how wide their mouths were open, and this this awesome, enormous sound was coming out of out of these people. So I remember after the assembly, I remember running to chasing down the faculty sponsor. Uh, her name was Pearl Williams Jones. Um, may she rest in peace. She uh, passed form, I think, in around 1994. 92, 93, 94, somewhere around in there. And she was basically from the D.C. area. Uh, but she was a music teacher at our school during that time. And uh, she told me that they weren't taking any new members and she wanted to start a waiting list. And I just could not accept that. <laughs> I had to get in that group. <laughs> so the, the young, young fellow that was playing the piano is a guy named Ray Walter. And he was in one of my music classes. I was a music major at Overbrook. And um, so I had a class with him later that afternoon. So I um, approached him in the class and I said, Ray, I said, how can I get in this group? And he looked at me and said, can you sing? (laughs) And I said, yeah, I can sing. So he says, okay, well, meet me after school uh, in the practice room because, you know, 
Overbrook had a great music program, music manic program, and they had practice rooms uh, on the fifth mm-hmm. floor. So we met there. Uh, I was so excited. And I started singing. He said, what do you want to sing? And I sang a song called People Get Ready by the Impressions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know why I picked that song, but that's the song I sang. And I started, <laughs> I started singing, and then he, uh, he plays by ear. I mean, fantastic. And he picked it, picked up the key I was in, and he accompanied me, and he really, really made me sound even better than I thought I was sounding. <laughs> 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 so he, he looked at me, and he said, not bad. And he said, and I need altos. And so he told me what to do. Uh, when we came back from the Christmas break, um, you know, I had to report to home to let my advisor know that I was in attendance that day. And then he said, you do that every day. And then after you report to your advisor, you come to the fifth floor for rehearsal. And let me tell you, when Dr. Pearl Jones walked in that practice room and saw me standing up there with those altos, she, you could have knocked <laughs> her over with a feather. <laughs> <laughs> So she she saw just how determined I was to get in that group. I was just on a mission. And I said, I got to get with these people. And it was that was the beginning of my whole experience. Because like I said, they wrote and arranged everything we sang. And then we would do Mm. concerts. uh, We we did concerts up and down the East Coast during that time. Mm. And we sang at churches, colleges, you know, other schools. And then we noticed that other school gospel groups started to spring. and uh, But we started that. And we always got such a strong response from the, the audiences that we uh, sang for. So I knew that we were on to something really, really great. So when we graduated, mm-hmm. we lost one of the student composers. And he went on to do some missionary work in Sweden, I think. I think he's still there, as a matter of fact. And uh, and I, that was the one thing about the group that made us different, unique, made us stand out uh, from other groups. And so I said, we need to keep that creative aspect. And just like that, I just tried my hand at writing. I had an idea for a song. And mm-hmm. at the time, Bruce Hall's, he graduated from Albany High School, I think, but he joined our group after we graduated. We couldn't keep the name the Overbrook Singers anymore because that had to stay with the school because there was a group mm-hmm. coming behind us that was entitled mm-hmm. to that name. So we opened it up to other people. Bruce Hawes, you know that that you know him from his songs. Let me tell you what he wrote. Sadie, <laughs> Mighty Love. Sadie. Wow. It, it takes a fool to learn that love don't love nobody. Um, <laughs> games people play. Come on, all these yeah, finishes. Right, but, huge. But, yeah, but they hadn't happened yet. He was just a, a, a high school graduate, just like the rest of us. And I had a, an idea for a song, and he he agreed to meet me at my church. I had a key to my church where there was this beautiful grand piano because I played for the male chorus at my church during that mm. time. And so I said, if you meet me at the church, I'll sing it, and, and hopefully you can pick out the chorus. And he did. <laughs> and oh. I thought that was so neat of him to meet me because, <laughs> you know, we didn't have cars or anything. We were traveling by public transportation. Now, the church was a block and a half from where I was, but he had to catch the bus and he showed up. I was really mm. thrilled that he even showed up. 
So we came up with something really, really nice. Uh, and the, the first song I wrote was a song called Pictures of My Mind, and it was a contemporary gospel song. And we played it for the group, and they loved it. And so they added it to the repertoire. And then we wrote another song for them called People Really Need to Change. I wrote those two songs with Bruce. Then Bruce left, and he went and just signed on with Philadelphia International Records as a songwriter producer. And that's when he hooked mm. up with Joseph Jefferson and Charles Simmons, and they wrote all those hits. So it was like shortly mm. after that. So I was wow. like, wow. Mm. Yeah, you see yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we just yeah. were, it was like a magnet that we attracted such great talent, you know, in this particular mm -hmm. area. So after that, I started writing with Theodore Worthen, who was the uh, other creative force behind our group. And um, so we wrote a lot of songs. So we decided, we had this idea, let's go and audition as a gospel group, the Philadelphia International Records. They don't have a gospel group. And Bruce is down there, so we, we may have one foot in the door. So mm -hmm. the audition was set up, and Bruce and, and Joe Jefferson were the two producers assigned to audition us. And so we went, and we started singing. And then all of a sudden, Joe stopped us and said, OK, who's writing this stuff? <laughs> And yeah. uh, and they'll say, well, Cynthia wrote that with so-and-so. So he -so. so said, okay, what else you got? <laughs> we start singing again. He stopped us. He said, wait a minute, who wrote this? And they said, <laughs> Cynthia wrote that with this one, you know. Because I was writing with, there were like two or three different people that I could write with um, who, could, who were just so good and accomplished with the piano that I could write with them. So they stopped mm -hmm. us about three or three or four times, and it always was on something that I had co-written. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's, I mean, come listen, and, and I'm telling you, just like it happened, I mean, I find some of this stuff hard to believe myself. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like, it was like destiny, you know, it's like I was destined to do that. So um, Joe yeah. Jefferson, he was really impressed with my writing, and he went to... Um, one of the administrators at Philly International, Shelton, may he was in peace. Um, and they signed me as a writer. And um, wow. they, yeah, they wanted Joe Jefferson to work with me because I had to make that transition from gospel mm -hmm. to secular, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And that was a difficult mm -hmm. transition for me. Because, um, mm. you know, I, I had already at that point had written something like 20, 25 gospel songs. So, mm. you know, that was what I was most comfortable writing. And it actually took me three years to make that transition. And I couldn't really spend a whole mm. lot of time with Joe because he was locked into that um, network, that write, writing uh, team, Falls uh, Jefferson and Simmons. And that was one thing you did not do at Philly International. You did not interfere teams that was a company of songwriting teams we, and, and you know that from McFadden Whitehead and Karstarfin all right you know they wrote mm -hmm. uh, Wake Up Everybody Bad mm -hmm. Luck yep. mm -hmm. yeah those songs and then you had Tom Bell and Linda Creed you know all the hits they wrote Bet You By Golly Wow with the stylistics yeah. and uh, Rubber yeah. Band Man mm -hmm. yeah that's, Linda was on it and uh, then you had Campbell Huff right and uh, a few yep. others I can't think of at the, at the top uh, 
right at this time. But there were most of the people were uh, in in writing teams, and the only ones that weren't in te- were in the writing arrangement was Dexter Wansell and Bunny Sigler. They were like. Mm-hmm. That was a one-man show, both of them. <laughs> they were mm. basically solo. So one day I was walking through the halls looking for a room, you know, to, to work in. And um, I heard this music coming from Dexter's room, so I went down. And I said to Dexter, I said, I'm, I'm getting this feeling that I'm not making enough progress. I'm, you know, I'm moving too slow. And they might want to let me go because I'm not as productive. Mm. As I need to be because you needed to be in a good solid relationship where you were writing songs on a regular basis and I wasn't at that point yet so he mm. he was sitting down and he was playing the piano and he turned around and he said well what, what makes you think that that they're gonna let you go and I said I don't know I just have a feeling and he just kept playing <laughs> and then he said <laughs> give me give me give me a second i'll be right back and he left the room he was gone about 10 minutes and he came back sat down at the piano started playing again and he said you were right he said they were gonna let you go <laughs> and i said you're kidding <laughs> he said yeah he said but you don't have to worry about that now because you'll be writing with me oh you know wow yeah you know what he said he said because he knew i had just graduated from temple university with my bachelor's degree, mm. I majored in communications with a journalism concentration. So he said, you're a journalist by profession, so you must mm. have a way with words. And he says, and I'm mm. wearing all these hats now. He was producing, arranging, plus he was an artist. He did Life on Mars, that album. And then he was trying to write. He said, I can uh, certainly use someone to take uh, the bare half the writing loop. So that song that he was playing the whole time we were talking, he put it on cassette and said, "Here's the first song you, we can do," and that song, <laughs> and that song ended up being "I Believe in Love," and it was recorded by Dee Dee Sharp Gamble. Wow! And I think that year wow. was 1977. Yeah, 1977. <laughs> I think. So that's how I started. Now, and, and then I had, I was locked into a. a a writing situation with someone, you know, I had, we were a team. It became Wanzel Biggs back then, you know, now it's Wanzel Biggs. Right, right. <laughs> but we, we became oh. a, a, yeah. a, a partnership. We established a partnership. And I really, really, I was so grateful to Dexter for doing that. You know, he really took a chance uh, with me. And he told Gamble that he would work with me. He said, if it didn't, doesn't work out, he said, at least we gave it a try. And uh, I wanted to make right. sure that he never felt that he, you know, made the wrong decision in taking me on. So if wow. it wasn't for him, I, I don't I don't know what direction I would have taken. I really don't because mm. that was like we talk about throwing our lifeline. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and by that time I was pretty sure that that is what I wanted to do. And I was working as a substitute teacher, uh in the meantime, because it's very hard to get journalism jobs when, you know, they require mm-hmm. you to have four to five years experience. But that's like a catch 22 if you're in school. Right, yeah. Right. So right. Uh, my mother was a teacher and she said, well, they can always use subs in the school district until you can, you know, land something uh, a little more steady. So I took my uh, degree down and they hired me. But Dexter talked to 
one of the administrators after we started working together. He said, you know, you, you guys should really uh, give her a weekly stipend. And uh, mm. and they did. And, and it's, I, they started me at $50 a week. <laughs> <laughs> but, but listen, I was glad to get that. And I quit my sub job because <laughs> my, <sub, laughs> my sub job was paying like $34 a day. So, uh, oh, wow. yeah, $34 a day. And so that's I'm a getting, whole different time. Yes. Right. Seven, well, you said 70s, no. 77, 74. That's right. Uh-huh. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So I, I, I took the $50 a, a, a week, um, over the $34 <laughs> a day. And it was probably the best decision that I made at that time. Yeah. I'll say. And the rest yeah. is history. The rest is history. Wow. So, but before we jump into the the history making portion of the of the interview, I wanted to give Kenya a chance to ask some questions because I have two major major stories no, that I want I, you to I th- talk about. I'm oh, like go ahead. sitting here, just I feel like I'm listening to a like a documentary, like I visualize the whole thing. And good. yeah, me too. I, I was sitting. Yeah, good. That's a good thing. That's a real good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know, I'm 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 a singer. And a mm-hmm. songwriter, mm-hmm. Um, and but I but I really do the songwriting just for me. Like I've never really intentionally tried to you know just do songwriting and and pitch it to other artists. But that's mm-hmm. a common question that I'm asked um, because I also coach artists, help artists kind of figure out their music career and so forth. And a lot of people want to get into songwriting. You know, they want to they want to sure. you know be able to have that opportunity. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think hearing just how organic mm-hmm. everything you just said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was, like you said, you kind of just were doing following your passions, right. you know, and right. following your interests, which I and think that, I hope listeners really, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's what you have to do. Yeah. You follow your, You follow your passion. Um, I, and you made yeah. me think about even when I was working on my doctorate um, in educational leadership. And they were talking us through the dissertation process. And even then they were saying things like, pick a topic that you're passionate about, that you're mm-hmm. passionate about. And of course, mine was music. So I, I, I did a musical a music topic with an educational casting. But also, mm. we used to have writer meetings, Kenya. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenny Gamble, Tommy Bell. Uh, Leon Huff was not always there. I remember Kenny being in every meeting and Tommy being Mm. in almost every meeting. And Kenny said something to us that I never forgot. He said, if you want to write a hit record, you got to spill your guts. Mm. And I was like, wow. Mm. And the (laughs) the first time I actually did that was with If Only You Knew. Ah, I was saying that's going to be my question because you have to understand that that song for me, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is my absolute favorite song by Patti LaBelle. All the songs she's done, everything. So the fact that I'm sitting, it's giving me goosebumps right now because I, it's funny, you know, somebody as big as a Patti LaBelle and, Mm -hmm. you know, and as classic as her and and, and has so much, you know, her repertoire is ridiculous. And for me, it never feels, I could hear that whenever I hear that song, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it is the song. So 
the fact that I'm sitting talking to you right now yeah. <laughs> and that you just said that was the song for yes. you that, you know, that, that you wrote after song. hearing the thing. Yes. It's just oof, goosebumps. And you know, Real so many goosebumps. people, so many people relate <laughs> to that song and uh, lyrically. Yeah. And when you look at the song, uh, the lyrics that I wrote for that song on a page, uh, Gamble has three, Kenny Gamble has three lines in that song. But when you look at the lyrics on the page, it only takes mm-hmm. up half a page, so it, it, it <laughs> yeah, it's small. You. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. need a, you don't even need a whole lot of lyrics. You just have to find a very effective way to say as much as possible with as few words as possible. <laughs> That's the best way I can yeah, describe it. Mm-hmm. Spill your guts. That's right. Spill, and, I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use that. Spill yeah, your guts. You spill, <laughs> spill your guts and, and less is and less is more. I'm I'm yes, I'm always yes. kind of telling people that, and particularly with songwriting, you know, space is really really important because yes. if 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 you've got too much lyric happening, one phrasing and melody that all starts to get a little bit you know jumbled, right. and and you don't give you don't give the 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 listener an opportunity to get themselves in the song. Right, you know, but right. when, yeah, yeah. And, you, and yeah. You, have, you give them too much to have to remember. Uh, yeah. It, a lot of it is yeah. repetition, too. That's why they have choruses. They call them sing-alongs as mm-hmm. well. Uh, so that mm-hmm. they have something that they, like a catchphrase that, you know, that they can call to memory. And I remember when the song mm-hmm. first came out, if only you knew, um, they would say, they would, people would call it, would start, when they started calling the radio stations, they were asked for, hey, hey, play, play that new joint by Patty the Bell. And uh, <laughs> it took them a minute before they, they could remember the title, but they knew they heard this, and this was so different from some of the things that Patty has done. And mm-hmm. it was really, really, really catchy, uh, mm-hmm. especially that chorus. You know, it was very, very simple. I wanted to keep it simple, but it was actually something that I was experiencing it. That's something I actually mm. went went through. I was in love with someone and I couldn't tell them. Mm. It was just oh, that I simple. love this. <laughs> it, was, it was just that simple. So and I was yeah. I was really, really nervous when I did it, but I'm so glad I did it. That song was number one for the whole month of January in nineteen eighty four. And it, wow. so it was number one for four weeks, four consecutive weeks. And the only song that beat it out at, at the number of weeks at number one was Princess When Doves Cry. So, oh my God, we couldn't even wow. be mad. He was number one when Doves Cry. Yeah, right. <laughs> when Doves right. Cry was number one for five weeks. We were not angry. We were not. And I'm gonna tell you what oh, was wow. what was also nice too, guys. Was um. The, the responses that we got from other writers in the in the industry, like for instance, uh, when "If Only You Knew" got to number three with a bullet on the Billboard charts, and mm-hmm. "Cool in the Game" called us, and we, <laughs> they called our office. So I'm like, how did they get this number? And they called. <laughs> and, <laughs> they had a song out called Joanna. And Joanna yep. was climbing, uh-huh. yes, it was climbing the charts, and they were number two with a bullet. So they called us the, the, the challengers. They said, yeah, we're going to beat you to number one. And look, Cool in the Gang has a history <laughs> of hits, okay? 
number yeah. ones. Yeah. So, yeah. so we put all our support behind them. We say, yeah, go for it, go for it, right? <laughs> and so the next week, the next week they went to number one. Pat, Patty Labelle went to number two with a bullet. And uh, then the following mm. week, uh, if only you knew, bumped Joanna. And uh, went wow. to number one and sat there for four weeks. Yes. And wow. then, but that was, I was so happy that they called. It was fun. You know, it was like a little light fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. then the phone rang another day. Dexter answered the phone and he said, Stevie? <laughs> and he looked at me and I'm thinking, is that the Stevie I think he's, he's talking to? <laughs> <laughs> and he talked to him for a minute and then he handed me the phone he said he wants oh, to talk Lord. to you he said he wants to talk to you <laughs> and he, he just wanted to call and congratulate us he said that he uh, he knew that I was a writer wow. on the song because you know you know, our people read credits you know and back during that time a lot yeah. of people paid attention to the credits but now on these CDs the writing is so small you need two magnifying glasses to see who played what and who, <laughs> who wrote what well even know. if you can get the liners I mean even it's, people don't right. even that's right yeah yeah <laughs> This is yeah. a, and, you know, and I hope that listeners, and I know, well, you have a questions and, you know, we're going to have to do a part two to this because this is just too much history. And this is, this <laughs> oh, is yeah. like, I mean, seriously, if you are an actual, like, real musician, artist, songwriter, yeah. I mean, this is, this is so paramount how you, why you need to understand yes. and why you need liner notes and yes. why you need to see the people, you know, who are writing this material. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and it's no discredit. Obviously, Patty executed, I mean, without her execution and performance, you know, we, it, it wouldn't have necessarily registered, but right. it's so critical, you know, and Stevie calling because Stevie, of course, is an insane, you know, songwriter. And so, you know, when you, when you understand that and you, in, and it, it's, you, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so important. It's so, so important. And those people who are considering songwriting, I just really listen to, you know, what Cynthia is saying here, because it's everything that you have said and your spirit is so humble and modest and, 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 and true. And you, you know, you're having degrees and doctorates and things, you know, totally outside yeah. of, you I know, completely necessary forgot music. To, to mention that. Yeah. She is actually <laughs> doctor. Cynthia yeah, she's Dr. Cynthia L. L. Yeah. So, wait, wait, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because yeah, it's ahead. all related, too, because uh, the, the tools of a journalist are words. The tools yeah. of a lyricist yeah. are words. And with the, with the yeah. dissertation, it was all about the words. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, that was probably the, lon the loneliest uh, writing effort I ever made. I took a year off to write it. And uh, mm -hmm. I got a publisher that was interested in it, and, and uh, a German publisher. And it's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to change the title to make it more, I guess, uh, commercial friendly. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's my dissertation. Uh, it's like, mm -hmm. uh, well, you wrote you you made your dissertation a book as well. I haven't. Yep. Yep. You, I, I remember you. that. Yep. 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 So I thought that was good because. I got a publishing deal for that even before I graduated. Uh, but then, oh, that's awesome. the interesting thing is that, that it's all related. It all, it all deals yeah. with, with words. But I really do like talking people through the process and sharing, you know, some of my experiences because I think that 
these are the things. It's really important, you know, that you know style, that you know format, that you know how to tell the story, um, mm-hmm. and, and that you could uh, tell it in a way that people can relate to it. I mean, I wrote that song. Me and Dexter wrote that, and Kenny too. He's a writer on that. That was 1980. This is 2020. Mm-hmm. And people yep. in generations that are have come since then know that's done. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's, it's just amazing. Let me tell you, I was teaching at a high school and that was my first year at, a, at that high school and I had ninth grade. So it was their first year at that school too because they graduated from middle school. And uh, I heard one student after class, he was kind of like one of the last ones to leave. He started singing this song. And I and I looked up and I said, Eric, how do you know that song? And you know what he said to me? I'm telling you, I cried. I just started crying. He said, oh, that was our graduation song. That was the graduation song. And I said, Eric, you're not going to believe this, but I wrote that song. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, we had a great year because we bonded. That class bonded with me just for the fact that I learned that I was the writer of their graduation song. And it was a song no, that's called, huge. Yeah, While We Still Have Time. It was a song called While We Still Have Time, and it was recorded on Casablanca by a duet, um, Cindy and Roy. And it was really a contemporary mm. gospel song, but it was, I was so touched that someone thought mm-hmm. enough for that song to make that a graduation song. Because when I graduated yeah. from high school, we sang We've Only Just Begun right, by right. the Carpenters. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a fabulous song. And when you got students singing your song for as a school song, you know, uh, that's uh, huge. Graduate, yeah. it's, it's major. It's major. Yeah. And I was just so touched. Yeah. I just cried. I just cried uh, because that yeah. was so special. That moment was so special. And it changed. That's the universe. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely the universe. Definitely the universe. But we were also fortunate. Yeah enough to work with so many great artists. Uh, I loved working with Patty. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this. I, Patty wasn't real crazy about If Only You Knew. I was about to say. Yeah, she wasn't she, crazy about that she song. She was not crazy about that song. And after I sang it down, uh, she started talking about something totally different. And so we, mm. we we engaged her in the conversation. And so then Dexter finally got the nerve. Thank you, Dexter. He finally got the nerve to say, so, Patty, <laughs> what did you think of the song? <laughs> and she said, and she said, she said yeah, it's okay. And shortly after that, yeah. she left. She had, other, she, she had other writers that she needed to meet with. So when we saw Kenny, uh, we told him, we said, well, we don't think she liked the song. And. Because Gamble really wanted mm-hmm. her to, to sing it. Because, see, when I, I didn't tell you this part. When I first presented the lyrics to Dexter, he wasn't sure if I was taking the right lyric direction. But let me tell you, mm-hmm. there was something so special about the way those words came to me. I felt like a scribe mm-hmm. taking dictation from a higher power to the point where mm-hmm. I was abbreviating some of the words because I didn't want to lose a single one. I said, let me at least get part of these words down and then go back and fill them in. But I was afraid I would, mm. if I lost one word, it would just throw everything off. 
So, but he wasn't mm-hmm. sure, and he and he said, "I don't think Patty's gonna like that, like this." And he was right; she really didn't care for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he he wanted me to, to you know, rewrite it, and uh, he 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 said, "Use the title God Only Knows." And and by a right, me being a writer that used to write gospel music, I never like to mix, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. The, the gospel with the secular, you know, sacred and secular. Me, yeah. yeah. If you want me to write, yeah. if you want me to call it God only news, it's going to be a gospel song. <laughs> I can tell right, you right, right yeah. now. Right. I, yeah. I guess that, yeah. that was just my, uh, the respect and, and uh, uh, that I had for, you know, the higher, right. the higher spirit, right. you know, the father, the universe, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I just didn't want to do right. So I said to him, I said, listen, right. I said, can we at least get a second opinion? And I don't mean go to your buddy, Eric. You know, <laughs> I said, let's get a second opinion, a professional opinion. And we looked at each other and bust out laughing because we both were thinking Kenny Gamble. And that's how Kenny got on the song because I had a three-line hole there that Dexter normally would have filled in, but he was so sure that, you know, she might not uh, like the song. Like it. Yeah. yeah. So we went to, we called Kenny, he happened to be in his office, so we rushed over. At the time, I was living in town, so I didn't live far from the office. I wasn't staying too far from where the office was. That's just stopped by, because I called him and said I had something, and I was so excited that I called him even before I totally finished it. And uh, he came over, and when I saw his face just staring at that paper, I said, "Oh no," because that had never happened before. So anyhow, we played it for Kenny, <laughs> and the more I sang it down, <laughs> the bigger Kenny's eyes got. Now that could mean two yeah. things: either what you're singing is so ridiculous that he can't believe he's even <laughs> listening to it, <laughs> or he's so impressed, you know, with what he's hearing. So when I finished, right. he says, "He says, Cynthia, he said, this is beautiful." And he, and he leaned down and Dexter said, see, Dexter, these are the kind of lyrics that only Mary can write. Dexter looked up at me. <laughs> <laughs> he says, and Gamble says, sing it again, Cynthia. And I sang it down, and in 10 minutes, he had those three lines. 10 wow. minutes. And when we walked out of that office, wow. Dexter said to me, he said, Cindy, he used to call me Cindy. Don't call me that. <laughs> he used to call me that. <laughs> that was his little pet name. He said, he says, he said, I'll never underestimate your lyrics again. And he never, ever did. He never did. Uh, so, wow. you know, Patty wow. was so charming yeah, in the this. studio. She did everything we asked her to do. We, You would never know that she didn't really care for the song. She sang it like right, right. she sang it like it was her song, and uh, we did do some things. Asked her to do some things. You know, Patty has such a beautiful voice in the raw. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful and it's so elastic, you know. And she still sings like that to this day. And I think a lot of that is because she doesn't smoke. Uh, she sings, right. yeah. yeah, she yeah. seems to take yeah. good care of her yeah. voice. But she, I'm telling ah. you. She sang it like it was her song, and Dexter was able to get four vocal tracks on her, and then we mixed it down. He mixed down and took the best of each track, and and so we have a composite vocal of her performances for that night. But, you know, we got canned when it was time to pick the songs for the album, so it sat in the can for about two years, and if it wasn't for two gentlemen at CBS Records, Larkin Arnold and Cecil Holmes, if it wasn't for them, if only you knew, might have just been uh, 
uh, uh, reject the song in the can. On the shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because they asked for all the songs that were, they were closing their distribution deal with Philly International. So they wanted to hear all the tracks of all the artists that, that were cut that did not make the albums. And I think they were going to try to uh, put albums out to try to re- re- recoup some of the costs, you know, in the production. Because back then, you know, doing an album was what? Uh, like two, two, three hundred thousand to cut. You could cut mm. a song uh, like that. Now it's you don't even have to, you don't even have to pay as much as twenty twenty five thousand to do a, a good product, mm-hmm. and some can even do it less than that. Uh, so yeah. that, that just shows you how things have changed, you know, over time. Yeah. So um, wow. the first artist they wanted to, you know, the songs for was Patty. So they sent all the canned songs up, and it was those two gentlemen that picked up on the menu. They said that's the single. And they put that song out. Listen, wow. they put that song out with no video, and they were starting to go into videos, get into right, videos like, right. around that time. That song had no video, no promotion, no nothing. They just sent it to the <laughs> radio stations. It's just a real song. Yeah, they, they sent yeah. it to the radio stations, and the jockeys played it, and then the calls start rolling in. Yo, play that new Patty wow. joint. <laughs> Wow. And then it, then it wow. went from light rotation to middle rotation, then to heavy rotation. Then it entered the Billboard wow. charts at 72 with a bullet the first week. Mm. And then it jumped mm. another 20. And like it, it jumped off. to like, yeah, yeah, 50 something the second week. So that's a clear sign that there's some real action around that song. Uh, so, right. yeah, so it, it was all like. Well. Surreal, and I hate to say Magic. that, and I and I really hate to sound like I'm trying to rhapsodize the moment, but that's exactly no, what it that's felt so special. Like. Yeah. We've like totally ran over our time. I'm sure Zoom has stopped. Has it stopped? <laughs> no, no, we're still. Th- th- oh, thankfully, we, we're still we're still on. Um, oh, but yeah, we, my we're, we're going to have was, to. I was like, we're gonna have to oh, have no, we, her do a part two or three. I well, want to definitely have to do a part two. More. No, we definitely oh. gotta do a part two because because <laughs> I want her to talk about her as being a, a producer because I, I want yeah. um, women women to, to get the 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 encouragement from her to, and to understand that you can do all the aspects sure. in this business. Yes, and 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 Cynthia's done it. Yeah, so I want she I want has. her to, to speak upon that. And, and, and with such passion, yeah, yeah with such passion, yeah, there, so there's so that. much to, yes. to cover with this. So, uh, mm. but yeah, we'll just have to have you back. That's how we're, we're having you to back, Cynthia. So. We're I'm having you back. Glad to come back. This is so. I just because really we haven't even talked about Teddy's songs, Teddy Pendergrass. Nope. I'm like, well, you got some Teddy Pendergrass music. I mean, there's yes. a, there's a lot. <laughs> so we'll have Teddy to come back. We we hate yeah. to. Yeah, we hate to and have I'd to like cut this. I like to tell the story about Nice Over Egypt, too, because that was a... Yeah, that, that yes, too. that's yeah. on my list, yeah. too. Yeah. I got Jones, girls. I got... <laughs> yeah. So we're going to yeah. we're gonna have to yeah, invite so, you back. Yeah. We're going to have to invite well, you back. I, I'm so more than happy to come back, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, folks, oh. uh, before we get cut off, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll just... Um, We'll provide all the the show notes and information and ways to um, to reach out to uh, to Cynthia if you all want to and um, you know however she wants it and we'll uh, we'll be back next week of course with another awesome interview but uh, this is awesome I mean we we coming in twenty twenty strong 
This is yes. This is historical. Thank you so much for for Thank taking you. the time and doing this. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Sure. I appreciate the opportunity. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank, thanks a lot, Cynthia. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll schedule uh, this week. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm going I'm to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to it. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye. 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 Please contact us via email at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player and leave us a rating and review. Also, please leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. And if you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com.